Welcome to the Board of Education, where troublemakers and system breakers gather to discuss how they are dismantling inequity in public education. Calling our meeting to order is Chairman of the Board, Jonathan Santos Silva. That's right, I'm Jonathan Santos Silva. He is Doc Miller, and this is the Board of Ed. What's going on, man? I am uh, sitting in Indianapolis, cold, <laughs> because <laughs> fall has arrived, um, and I'm I feel like I'm in a time warp. Mm. Like I really feel like uh, one, this is episode 11 of the board of ed, uh, which feels like it started yesterday. And I feel like I, I both can't remember summer and I thought summer would never end. Mm. Right. No, like, I I, it's, it really is like messing with my brain. I'm hoping that this is a minor aberration. We've it's a little chilly today. I think it's going to get up to 60 in South Rapid City, but it's windy, and I was now, out there and I'm like, oh, summer. I love that we're talking about the weather too because this is a podcast and people can hear it whenever. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So they're like, what are they talking about? It's not cold because <laughs> you're listening to it in May. Like, right? <laughs> yeah. And you know, they say you talk about weather when you don't have anything to talk about. So, uh, <laughs> maybe oh, but we, we do. We have so much oh, to talk about. So much to talk about. Uh, Keena Newell is going to join mm-hmm. us today uh, as our latest uh, board member. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about Keena, Jonathan. Well, you know, um, to step back a second, you know, last episode we talked to Malika Ali and I, I described it as like our love letter to teachers. You know, we're big fans of teachers. We appreciate the work they do. And it was a, like a, like a, it was like a, you know, like a double album, you know, back in the day when you actually bought the CD or whatever, you know, <laughs> it was like a double album. We had a lot of, you know, encouragement, some stories, some, some strategies. And uh, we kind of can keep in the, the love train moving forward. Uh, as you said, Keenan Newell's our guest. She's a former classroom teacher and currently uh, a financial advisor. But I would say the theme or the thread is that she's still educating people. Like that's her approach. Yeah. It's really about teaching. And so I thought, um, number one, you know, just to get her wisdom, her thoughts on what we could be doing and doing differently in schools. But hopefully before we um, end our time together, maybe pick her brain, you know, so that we can add some value for our educators, like how we can be thinking about our money so that, uh, we're able to do our career and really focus in our energy and our, and our, um, our, you know, and put all our, our strength into being great teachers and not be sitting on like, Oh, you know, I don't make enough money. Uh, I don't know if I can do this for, how do we make this career sustainable? You know, I, I remember when you shared uh, that, that you wanted to bring Keena on the show because I went like, dude, she's like, she's a financial advisor. We're a, we're a podcast about educational <laughs> equity. This doesn't make sense. But, but, um, after learning more about Kina and, and really doing some deep diving, because you and I were both classroom teachers, there's a, a lot of time there's push for teachers, like, it's a calling, you should want to do this, it shouldn't be about the money. And I would say the majority of teachers out there have some portion of that mentality that, that, that teaching is a calling, it's about the kids. But at the end of the day, we it is detrimental to a teacher's emotional and financial health if you're getting paid with warm fuzzies, right? Like, right. like that. You you can't you can't feed uh, a teacher can't feed their family 
on appreciation mm. or on, you know, uh, the, the, the $5 Starbucks gift cards that they get during teacher appreciation week, which again is appreciated, but, but teachers need that, that support, um, mm-hmm. because we're not a well-paid profession, man, we, you know, we should be, but. Well, I mean, for all the folks who think, you know, that teachers get paid enough and they should be glad it's a calling next time you get your mortgage bill or your car note, just try writing, you know, uh, it's a calling, you know, I work a calling and send it back in and see if they credit that payment. It doesn't work. Right. And so as much as I would, I agree with you that for probably the vast majority of teachers, this is work of the heart. You know, we, we, we need to talk about uh, better compensation, but in the meantime, while, you know, there's resistance to that, what, you know, what we want to talk about are what are the things teachers can do to take control? What are the things you can do to, to do as much as you can just to, to stretch that money? I feel like sometimes education is challenging because educators are underpaid in a lot of areas. Um, but when I started, I think I made like $33,000 a year, something crazy. Um, <laughs> and I actually turned down a, a job in the oil and gas industry to join Teach for America. And it was like $55,000 a year. So um, I immediately gave myself a pay cut (laughs) to serve um, within like my community. But because I knew my, like I started really getting serious about my finances when I was actually doing Teach for America and teaching because I had this like mountain of student loan debt, but also knew that if I wanted to stay in education, but also obtain like the financial dreams that I had, like buy a home and savings. Like I had to, I had to like manage my finances really well. But in knowing my number, it gave me like you were talking about that flexibility. So I actually, I started in St. Louis teaching, but one, I moved, I moved for money because I knew my student loans, like I had to, like they were fully going to be within repayment after the two year commitment with, with TFA. Um, And I knew I needed to make more money to start like really paying them down. But then I also knew that I wanted an opportunity to become a really great educator in the current school system that I was in, wasn't going to allow me to develop in the way that I wanted to. So because I knew my numbers and what that student loan payment was going to be and where I wanted to go, then I was able to see like across the nation, what is my next career move? Um, And also, I think like this is the thing that educators don't do is they don't negotiate for their salary. And I've worked in charter schools um, and I have a management and finance background. And I learned in I learned in college that in the business world, people don't just take the first like offer that that they put in front of you. You know, you're you're able to negotiate. And so um, I I learned that like they wine and dine you. They like, oh, you want to you want to come out here and work? work for us. Like, let me put you up in a hotel. Let me give you a per diem. And so that like stuck with me, even when I wanted to teach for America and went into education. And so um, knowing that I, I'm saying all that to say, like, even within education as educators, when we're moving around to different schools, there's a need for you there. You can ask for more money. You may not get a yes, but um, you already have like a hundred percent chance of getting a no if you don't ask. <laughs> so you got a 50% chance of getting a yes if you ask. And, and if you don't ask and you don't know your numbers, you're never going to know like, one, could I be making more money and potentially f- fulfill like 
whatever that financial obligation is that I want to feel. And it may not be attached to um, like a materialism thing, but you're like really looking towards the future in terms of your retirement. The point being, know your numbers, because when you know your numbers, I think it does allow you, one, you're going to have money saved. So you feel like you can tell someone no, right? But you can also tell people yes um, when there's an opportunity that's in front of you that you want to take and you know it's going to be the next like stepping stone for your, for your career path, whatever that is. Because I, I would say like all of the educators I know, there's definitely some like career teachers, but then there's also the people that want to get into systems level leadership because they see like that's where they can make their greatest impact. Yeah. I think this is a new way of thinking about um, teaching and compensation, right? Is t- teachers want to have an impact and we want that impact. We want the impact that those really dedicated teachers are wanting to have. Hmm. But we also need to make sure that we're taking care of those people so that they can have the impact we need to have. Right. Right. And I think like, you know, you, you mentioned earlier about like, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the appreciation gift cards and stuff like that. Those things are important, right? Like, like little gifts, you know, words of acknowledgement and encouragement, like that's important. Um, but beyond that, right, thinking about our financial well-being and health for the long haul, like how do we stay sustainable? That's another component. And I think like going a little bit beyond this, it's thinking about how we, how we think differently about teachers, how we approach professional learning, you know, right? why is it always, everything is, stru- is stuck to um, content? Like, here's how you teach ELA, here's how you do a math lesson. This is a I do, we do, you do. Um, I think we need to think more about how do we treat teachers as whole people. I, I would go further and say we need to think about how we're teaching kids, mm-hmm. right? Um, we, we're, we're putting kids in a position to where they are forced to think in a binary situation as either I passed or failed. Mm. And we know that's not the case, right? Um, And I'm interested uh, as an entrepreneur herself uh, in Kina's thoughts on what mindset are we helping kids and teachers develop about their own success. When you're an employee or you think about in school, when you fail, you're in fear of a bad grade or you're in fear of losing your job or a promotion. Whereas an entrepreneur, when you fail, it's like a data point to be like, oh, okay, that didn't work. How can I use that as like to inform what I need to do next, right? So it's, it's fueling like this creativity um, and the fact that like failure is failure is education. And that's the thing that informs what you do next. And I think that's been hard for me even to shift in this entrepreneur space that like if something that I planned or dreamed of doesn't go the way that I desired it to go, that it's not a matter of like, it has nothing to do with me as a person. It's actually just information that I get to take and use to then to make a pivot within my business that's going to ultimately make me the business owner that I desire to become. That is dope. See, it, it took the finance woman to hit the points. <laughs> my soul, you know, <laughs> I get it. Like everyone's like, Oh, I want to hands on learning. Da, 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 which I think it's cool. But like, for me, it's like that, that, that uh, contrast between the employee mindset and the entrepreneur mindset. That's a big part of why we educate our kids at home mm-hmm. because I know like, 
I, I excelled, quote unquote, in the system. Mm-hmm. And I know that perfectionism and all those things that I now carry are a result of that because you can't make a mistake. You got to get straight A's or whatever. And mm-hmm. what will it say about me? Right, right. Yep. Like I, I get coaching now about like, <clears throat> like literally my conversation this afternoon, we're going to be talking about my, the, 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 the negative self-talk mm-hmm. and the, the failure to ask for help and mm-hmm. how I didn't, I've been meditating on it for a week and they're both tied to the fail of fear of failure, looking, looking, quote unquote, looking dumb. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like the flip side of what you said earlier, right? Like my, my, my 10 month old is starting to try to walk. He may mm-hmm. be crawling and standing, but he falls and we don't be like F, you know, <laughs> you know like no second chances. Right. You know, right. You're, you're a poor You'll walker. always <laughs> be on your, you're sitting on your butt for the rest <laughs> <Yeah>. of life. <laughs> like that's really how we talk to, uh, many of our kids in the traditional sense, it's like, basically you fail, so you're never going to be good at this. And I don't think most, te- I'd like to think that most teachers don't say that verbally, but that is the culture around like competition and being the top of the class. And Oh, well, you're a failure, you know? Or you say it in your actions, right? Like, a, like I, I'm sure I've said it in, in one way or another, um, inadvertently, right? Like it may not have been in words, but it kind of makes me think of the book Outliers, which I haven't actually listened to all of it or read all of it. But I know he makes a point about, <laughs> I tried to listen. I, can edit the, I didn't read it all yet. I can Thank you. It. I'm sorry. My bad. But I was listening to the audible in my car and I would have fallen asleep listening to Malcolm Gladwell's voice. I was like, oh my goodness. Oh, this is like some like stuff <laughs> I need practice. to listen to at night. Yeah. I can't listen to this in the car. <laughs> And it was good, but it was like, it was like sleepy medicine. Um, (laughs) But when he's talking about how, you know, kids are grouped early on in, in society, even in school systems, but he was talking, he was making the point about like ages and, you know, a couple months makes a difference for a child and thinking how early that starts within our schools, you start to use words like, oh, that child's so gifted or advanced. I mean, I think I said it the other day about a little neighbor kid. I shouldn't be saying that. I know better. Um, but you you say these things. And so kids just thinking about like, what do kids hear? And then how they measure up to the thing that we've been conditioning with. Them. Mm. So um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the the fear of failure. I've had to work through with my business coach as well. And I don't think I've I don't think I've called it fear of failure, but it definitely is like, but, but what if, but what if, and she's like, Kina, you just, you got to stop. You're, you're looking for, you want the evidence to be true before you actually start and you got to actually create the evidence. And I'm like, yeah, but if I like keep sitting on this thing, then I can like slowly create the evidence. And it's like, no, you just got to like get it out in the world. And it's going to be okay. Mm. Um, I will say that when I think about like Brene Brown um, and like the power of vulnerability that resonates with me because it's like you, other people are watching you. And sometimes I think we think people are watching us and they're going to be like, Ooh, you failed. Right. But I think some people are watching us and they're like, wow, you did that thing that I never would have been courageous enough to do. And so if you adopted that thought that like, wow, you did that thing that I never could have done, that I think that that would push us beyond our own limitations. Mm. No, I think that's so. dope. And that's true. I think that especially for 
when you are um, uh, blazing a trail as a first generation, you know, graduate or a woman of color or just any person of color, a low income person, like you're the first in your whatever, however you define that community to do X, Y, or Z. Oftentimes you get there because like you said earlier about your clients, a lot of us, we adopt type A kind of mindset, even if that's not how we're normally wired, but that's what helps you be successful. And we get so caught up on what we think the world thinks about us. And we never have that moment of pause and reflection to look back and be like, how proud are pe the people who are really for us must be and are, right? If we just listen to that voice and not that negative self-talk voice, we probably would be propelled into even greater levels of success. So, Well, I think that's why I'm like, I never, if you had asked me three years ago, Kina, you're going to have your own business? I'm like, no, nah, that's not for me. That's just like something that cool people are trying to do. Um, <laughs> but I'm so glad that I've gone into business for myself because it's like tapped into like someone it's tapped into like different pieces of my brain and like just my body that I like needed to tap into because I realized even in being in education, which I love and I'm still an educator at heart is that I just got, so I was stuck in like tunnel vision and there was no like creativity within that space. Like, yeah, there's creativity in like writing a lesson plan or how do you want to run math coaching meetings, right? But there's still a mold that you're within. And I think some of the epiphanies that I've had in starting a business, I wouldn't have learned the lessons from that, from it, like that I've learned in the last like year and a half, just still being within the school system. So to your point about like, nobody's telling your 10 month old, like you'll never learn to walk because you failed, you failed today. <laughs> um, I think that sometimes we don't have the opportunity to, to experience how failure um, can really propel us forward because it's not, we do work in places where it's not safe to fail, right? Like in education, it's, oh, well, you didn't help your kids pass the test or in other jobs, like, you know, well, we needed that big contract and you didn't get that contract signed. You didn't just go with a formulaic thing that we told you to do. I would say the, the only other time I think that I've felt as like free as I have right now is like probably in college. Mm. And college was the space where like I started an organization to help um, like uh, students of color that were coming in, like navigate the college landscape or you know, within like the Association of Black Collegians, like, oh, we're gonna put on this program. Like there was a freedom there. And I remember missing that for so many years um, after I graduated college. It was like, you know, in college, you could still like be a firefighter, a ballerina, a lawyer, and a doctor. But <laughs> when you got your first job, you could only be that thing. Yeah. Ooh, that hits home. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because you had seven things you wanted to do after school too? Yeah, I mean, like, I wanted to be a ballerina firefighter. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be hot in two different ways, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Mr. Santa Silva, you dog. No, um, uh, I, you know, when, when I graduated college, I, I had a degree in, in biomedical science, minors in biology and chemistry. I was going to be a, a, a biology and chemistry teacher. Got a job offer at a, at a high school in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And then I also received a job offer from a radio station where I was working part-time uh, as an on-air host. And so my, my thought process was I graduated. It's time to be, you know, adult, 
take the job as a teacher and, and do it. As, as fate would have it, the, the, the school called and said, hey, we had to eliminate the position for which you were hired because we're hiring a seventh assistant principal. Uh, and so, so it, it, obviously I took the, 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 the radio job and it provided me, and, and I don't regret it. I, I, I'm a better teacher for it, for the, you know, the eight years that I spent in the entertainment industry. Um, but there's something really uh, like deep and honest about how our mindset changes when we leave college and we feel like, you know, when, once you cross that adult threshold, man, here are the rules of the game. Right. And so if those are the rules of the game, we have to internalize those rules and we may need to shift our mindset so that we can thrive on that playing field. So I love to tell people that I go way beyond numbers. I think oftentimes we're like, yeah, I've tried it. Like, I think clients come to me in a, in a number of different ways. Um, one, I would say like most of the people I work with are very type A individuals. They have their entire life figured out when, they come to fi- when it comes to finances. They don't or they feel like they don't. They're very overwhelmed. And um, I really take into account of like, where are you starting? What have you tried? What do you value? What are your goals? But I want to take stock of like who you are as a person, um, especially within communica- communities of color. I think we have other obligations and it may be that like when I'm working, I'm also taking care of siblings or I'm taking care of parents and like they are also getting a cut of my paycheck, which I think a lot of people that are in the financial space may not understand that um, when you're in a, in a minority community. So um, I work with clients in a one month intensive and then we go from there, but all of my clients start in that, in that way with me. And so we work and dig deeply to understand, like, I want to understand you and what do you value as a person? Um, We align that to what you financially value. And then we get clear on like setting goals. A lot of people come to me and they don't know what their goals are, what, what should be a goal around finances. And then we take your values and and your goals and we align them to how you want to spend your money and how you choose to spend your money. So I call budgeting or a budget, we call it a spending plan, because I want to help people create a plan for how they're spending their money. And then from there, it's, um, it's a process of like giving every single dollar a name, but really using your spending plan as a tool that informs how you make purchases, or it informs how you're choosing to save or what you choose to invest in. And I'm not saying investing in terms of like the stock market, but I'm saying investing in terms of, do I wanna go on this trip? Do I want to buy this car? But really putting you in a seat where you feel like you're in control. One of the things I always tell my clients is like, they have this, um, they don't trust themselves and they have a fear there. And I want um, anyone who works with me to know that you can hold the belief. I know how to manage my money and still be in debt and not have money in savings. And it's not a matter of like, but I don't know how to manage my money because I just got it, you know, some creditor just called me. It's more so holding a belief and then it's showing your, like writing down the evidence um, for yourself of like how you're showing up every single day as the person that knows how to manage their money or that can trust themselves with um, finances. So I do some of that mindset work as well because it's, it's a change of behavior. It's not just about a spreadsheet with numbers. 
you really have to embody this person that you're becoming. There's an analogy there, both from, from someone's own personal financial approach and also from approaching this as a, as a teacher learning to engage with kids. Right. Right. Yeah. Like this, this idea that whether we're talking about ourselves as adults and making the shift from maybe poor money habits or just like uh, a lack of knowledge Mm -hmm. to being proactive and engaged in our financial, uh, you know, wellness Mm -hmm. to, or we're talking about kids, right? Like developing the habits of being strong learners, uh, being, you know, know, asking good questions, you know, whatever that is, they, they both require mindset shifts. And that's why I, I, it, it brings me back to the beginning when we were like, we didn't just have a financial advisor come on the show. We had an educator, right? Yeah. She, that the same principles. I can I can almost see her in the classroom, mm-hmm. because I'm I'm you know listening to her talk about how she works with a client. I think there's power in in thinking that, um, you know, she she's really talking about autonomy, agency, and and partnership, right? Like that's really the 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 crux of all of this, and and those are three things that are powerful education tools for teachers for their kids, giving mm-hmm. kids the, 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 the autonomy to do what it is that they, that they, that they want to and aspire to do, uh, giving them the agency to, to find the information they need, to ask the questions that they need, and knowing that they have a partner in the work right. that's there to support them. Right. I mean, my core value, I've said this many times, not necessarily on the show, is liberation. Mm-hmm. How are we getting closer to freedom? How are we claiming our, for my indigenous friends, how are we claiming our sovereignty, right? To make the decisions that we want to make for ourselves, for our families. And so in one way, developing those habits of mind in our students is about their sovereignty, their liberation through academics. And in this case, what we're talking about is how we can think uh, in healthy ways about money so we can claim our sovereignty so we can liberate ourselves from you know patterns of thinking that have not served us well we would be remiss having kina on the show if we didn't ask for our listeners on your behalf for some concrete things that you can do to better put yourself in the kind of position uh the kind of financial freedom that that jonathan was describing that we want for for our kids for ourselves uh, for our students and for our communities. I think it's really important to have like a financial team, like form a relationship with a financial advisor. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be working with them. Um, but like I have a, I started forming a relationship with a financial advisor, quite frankly, because it was like my white friends had one. I was like, oh, okay, well, they know some probably that I don't know because my parents never had a financial advisor. Um, and just like, definitely a difference between being in a fluent community and not but understanding the questions that i needed to ask because early on in my 20s i was just like i invested in my retirement in terms of like a 403b or a pension given the different like school districts that i was in and i did it because i knew it was like the right thing to do but i encourage people to like build that type of relationship with a financial advisor Um, listen to podcasts about money, whether that's like Clever Girl Finance or Journey to Launch, um, and then read books about money. Start having money conversations with your friends and your family. Like, don't let money be that thing that's taboo. Talking about finances doesn't mean that you have to talk about how much money you make or how much debt you're in. You might have a conversation with 
someone to say like, you know, I heard you had a first time home buyer program that you did. How did you go through that? Or how do you manage like how much money you spend on groceries or what's your first memory about money? Like there's so many different ways that you can enter in that um, financial conversation that then spur you to start thinking about something else. Then you start learning about like, oh, I could get a high yield savings account or Maybe like, I know that I want to invest in real estate. So let me start talking to people that are already doing the thing that I want to do. And so you can start to build your like roadmap for what that looks like for yourself. But sometimes I think when it comes to um, managing our finances, we just think, well, like I never learned that. So I'm just always going to be bad with money, but you can, you can rewrite your story. I think it just takes a matter of like building that muscle, like, um, I hear about people talk about like babies that learn how to walk. Like they just, they have to build that muscle in their leg to learn how to move their legs. If you ever saw a little, little kid trying to walk, they fall <laughs> over plenty of times. And so I think it's the same can be true with your, your finances. And so you just got to learn to build that muscle and you'll get better at it and realize that when you get better at it, it becomes this generational thing that you now can pass on to like the next generation. And that generation doesn't even have to be, within your immediate family. It can be like people that you're connected to in your community. So um, that's what I would say in order to like the financial wellness piece. Oh, and lastly too, like when you're, when you have different jobs, like understanding your benefits, I don't think people realize that that for me, that's a part of financial wellness. And that's understanding like everything from like, can I get an HSA? I can get an FSA. Can you tell me um, when you go to the doctor's office, before you go to the doctor's office, ask them like, how much money do I need to pay besides my copay? We all like all the time people get caught off guard with their medical bills, dental bill, whatever. And it's because we just don't ask, Hey, can you call my insurance? Ask the billing department. Can you call my insurance and see what I'm going to have to pay out of pocket? So it's just like taking that extra step to, um, engage in some things that you like may not think about. I learned from just that conversation that I have a lot to learn. Mm. I, I think, you know, something uh, Keena said earlier, right? She talked about um, getting her first uh, financial advisor because uh, her friends were doing it, but it wasn't something she'd seen. Mm. And I think that's the thing that's so important is that like throwing no shade on, on a lot of our parents, but like, my parents did not have a financial advisor. A lot of this, were, the things were trial and error. They were learning as they went along. And so there are things that I picked up and I learned from them. But to Keenan's point, I need to build my team. Yep. I need to, you know, it's like kind of like, you know, to use an analogy, right? When, uh, you know, if a kid wants to play basketball and wants to be good at it, you'd, it'd be okay for them to play with bigger kids, better kids, because they're going to learn more from kids who know the game better than they are by just beating up on the little kids around the corner. And I think in this case, um, we're going to learn a lot more with a team of wise people around us than mm -hmm. we are kicking it, you know, not, nothing against the homies, but you can kick it with the homies and they don't have parents who had financial advisors. I don't have parents who had financial advisors. We're all going to give each other bad advice. Uh, you know what? I, I think what you just said was really, really good advice for a lot of people. Surround yourself by the smartest people that you can. You could try to do it on your own. Um, and you can assume you're smart enough, but why not have the best you can find? It is an act of true ignorance and arrogance to assume that you know everything. Mm. I really... Yeah, and it's so true, man. And when it comes down to your pocketbook, I don't want to make that mistake. Yep. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Um, thank you guys for joining us on uh, the Board of Ed. Uh, we are approaching the end of our season. Stay with us, y'all. It's, gonna um, still, it's still good. It's going to get even better. And uh, remember, you can join us online, theboardofed.com. That's T-H-E-B-O-R-E-D-O-F-E-D.com. Uh, check us out on pretty much any of the uh, podcast uh, uh, services that are out there, including and, oh, go ahead, Amazon, go ahead. Including, including Amazon's Amazon. new one. And, and check this out. We are on, I, 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 for the next episode, I'll have to figure out what they're called. I didn't write them down. I, you just triggered my memory. We are also on uh, at least one, if not both of the largest podcast directories in India. So I want to shout out to, we have listeners in India now, quite a few, um, South um, Africa, uh, the United Kingdom. I think I might've seen Australia. So this is making the rounds. So we're really, when we say and virtually anywhere you get your podcast, it's true. It's true. We've got a, you know, a great team behind us helping us do this. Um, and so we've got listeners from everywhere. So just want to shout out to our, our, our listeners, not only from, the, you know, the whatever it is, the 40 or so different states of the United States, but all these other folks, you know, around the uh, world who are getting in on, uh, on the board movement. Welcome to the International Board of Ed. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, keep, uh, keep us informed of what you're doing online. Uh, we are on Facebook, the Board of Ed. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore Board of Ed. That's at the underscore B-O-R-E-D. O-F-E-D. Jonathan, send us away. What I want to say is, you know, Keenan gave us so much advice. Um, and in particular, what jumps out to me is the point about building your team. So if you want to talk to someone about it, I definitely say go to our website or directly to wealthovernow.com so you can connect with Keena. I want to riff off that theme though and say, you know, the work that educators commit to, this calling that we were talking about is inc an incredible calling it's the, some of the most important work we can do and it's incredibly hard so not just build your it's not just about building your financial team it's also about building your support team you know who is your, your who is in your inner circle who are the people that love on you who encourage you who support you and who you can vent with in a safe environment and where they're going to pick you back up and put you back on your feet this work is um is important it's vital our kids need it and so i just want to send you off with that thought Build up your team, your support squad, and get back in the game because it's not going to get done without you. Thanks very much. See you next time. In the meantime, stay bored. Yeah. Yeah.